everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, you guys. I hope that you all had an awesome Easter weekend. We had a really great weekend here in California. The weekend was filled with good food. We went to the beach. We went on a few hikes. All in all, it was a really sweet weekend. And I might add, it feels like spring here. I don't know where you are, but oh my gosh, things are so green and bright and vibrant in California right now. There is a lot of hope in the air, and I hope (laughs) that wherever you are, you're feeling the same way. It seems that there's some great momentum moving into this year. Lots of good things ahead, like summer. I'm pumped. I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's bring on summer. Spring, though, I'm enjoying immensely, and I hope you are too. Well, like I mentioned, today's episode is one I've been so excited about. This is an episode that's really special to me because today's guest, Jenny Telehowski, is actually a friend of mine in real life. You're going to hear a little bit more about how we know each other, but I enjoyed this because I learned so much about her. I always was impressed with her life and career, and I knew that she was very successful in her realm and in her industry, but little did I know I learned a lot, and I think you're really going to enjoy hearing more about Jenny's story. I'm also happy to share that this episode is sponsored by a small business. As you know, I love highlighting small businesses. And today's episode is brought to you by Julia Eden. Meet your new favorite accessory. Julia Eden is a woman's accessory line featuring handcrafted headbands, barrettes, and clutches designed and made in Kansas City. You can shop the Julia Eden spring and summer collection at shopjuliaeden.com featuring the customer favorite leather cheetah headbands and clutches, and the newest to the lineup, delicate dried flower barrettes and headpieces. Follow along on Instagram at shopjuliaeden to see the design process and catch her weekly story sales. You guys, Julia has been so fun to work with. I love connecting with entrepreneurs, with business owners on Instagram over at Emily Landers. So if you have something that you would like to highlight, a product perhaps, reach out. We are all about collaborations over here on how she do that podcast. Speaking of collaborations, as you know, we have many bonus episodes on Fridays that highlight young college students who are entrepreneurs. Stay up to date with that. We have fun giveaways coming this summer and so many incredible women coming up that we're going to highlight. So again, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, please do reach out. I love meeting you guys. I love hearing your feedback. The podcast Wow, I didn't know how much fun it was going to be when I started it, but I am loving every moment, and it means so much to me that you're here today, that you're listening, and I hope you'll come back again and again. Well, without further ado, here is Jenny Telehowski on today's episode of How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Jenny Telehowski, is likely one of my most successful and interesting guests to date. She also just happens to be a real-life friend of mine. Upon graduating with honors from University of California, Berkeley, with a degree in computer science, Jenny moved straight into the world of tech. From working as a developer to becoming a product manager, Jenny is now the VP of Product Management at System One. Previously, Ginny served as Vice President of Product Management at a digital marketing technology company, and with over 19 years of software and product development experience, Ginny is responsible for building technology that enables advertisers to connect to people through social media platforms. She also worked at Microsoft in product management for Outlook and at the New York Stock Exchange, leading API development to connect financial firms to options trading platforms. She's been awarded patents in the area of email and social communications. When Jenny isn't working with her team, overseeing new developments, or encouraging women like myself, she is likely enjoying time at home in the Pacific Palisades with her husband, Dave, daughter, Anna, and son, Connor. Jenny, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thanks, Emily. 
I didn't really know that much about me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I found out a lot this morning. <laughs> I know. You're great. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Well, this, like I said in the intro, this is really fun because you are. You're a real-life friend. Luke and I adore you and your family, and we've been able to connect at church, which is so fun. So to have this time with you and to get more insight into your career, I have been like so excited all morning. I'm pumped. I am too. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, let's dive in. I love to just get to know my guests right off the bat. I love to introduce them to my listeners in a really fun way, kind of going all the way back. Now, I already mentioned uh, your major and where you went to school, but perhaps tell me in your own words, where did you go to school and what did that season of life look like for you? And, And perhaps even, you know, how did you land on your major? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, as you mentioned, I went to UC Berkeley and I majored in computer science. And this is, um, I'm dating myself, but this is mid-90s. So (laughs) at that time, up in uh, the Bay Area of California, tech was booming. That was uh, the new thing. Everybody and their friends and their parents were all around, all about computer science. So that's actually how I ended up joining the major. Up until that point, I didn't even own a computer. I knew nothing about technology. I didn't even know if I would be good at it or not. But I really chose it because everybody else was really uh, excited about it. And also, really, the primary reason was for um, employability. Because if I thought all these booming is happening, surely I must be able to find a job afterwards. So I grew up with um, lack of resources. My parents weren't very well to do. And we were always one of the um, the lower income um, families growing up. So knowing that I my major main goal going to college and finding a major wasn't necessarily my passion or what's fun, but mm. what can get me a job. So that's how I ended up uh, choosing computer science. Oh, well, that's amazing. And for those of you who are listening, that's a great encouragement because a lot of times we are looking for the shiny, fun, ooh, what could this look like? But for you, it's like, oh, I'm getting a job. I am getting a job when I graduate. (laughs) It's practical, yes. (laughs) So what did it look like for you to kind of step into all things computer science? Was there an internship that really you honed in on and you thought, okay, no, I, I actually enjoy? Was there a moment in school that you began to enjoy it? Or perhaps was that something that came later? So no, not during school. It was grueling. Um, I chose it and um, I wanted to make sure I can graduate. And I worked really hard because I was competing with um, mostly uh, guys. Uh, There were international students from all over the world that actually already have coded and built their own little things in computer science. And I'm coming in completely fresh with no knowledge. And we were competing head to head. And um, at that time, a lot of our computer science courses were great on curve, as in there's always going to be 10% that's failing, you know, certain percentage C and so on. So it was really competition and it was, it was brutal. It was hard. I didn't actually expect that, but I was, um, with a lot of perseverance and grit, which will, uh, it tends to speak to my career as well. Um, I was able to graduate with honors and actually spoke at the graduation. So, um, I was very happy with that. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, as you should be. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And to think of you kind of grinding out and now seeing where your career has moved and where you've moved into, uh, it's pretty amazing to hear. Well, tell us a little bit about your first role out of school. Perhaps how did you land that job and what did that season look like? Yeah, and this is the most ironic part because I was grinding out four years of computer science in college because I wanted to make sure I can land a job. Right after I graduated, uh, the dot-com bubble burst. So uh, unfortunately, uh, all the tech companies were folding at that time. So all my graduating class, we actually had a hard time finding jobs. Wow. And um, so I basically took the first offer uh, that came along. I wasn't picky. I didn't negotiate. I just said, yes, I'll do it. Of course, looking back, I'm kind of mortified, you know, mortified about that experience. But that's actually how my tech uh, career began. It wasn't very glorious. Oh, my gosh. Well, I love it, though, because it really speaks to the necessity. And obviously, you guys are going to continue to hear. And even with the tiny glimpse of this conversation with Jenny, you can already tell perseverance and grit. It's all there. So what was that first role out of school? What were you actually doing? So I was a developer for a large company and um, it it was not what I expected. And I quickly realized I actually don't like to code all day. Mm. So I started to think about, okay, what is it that I actually like? Because up to that point, I was really busy just getting the degree right. and getting the first job yeah. in an industry that I 
just new is 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 growing, even though there was a period of dot com um, bubble uh, bursting. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I started to think I like larger picture. I like to see where the puzzle pieces are fitting. Um, development is really just looking at one puzzle piece or few puzzle pieces. There are disciplines within tech where you're looking at the larger picture, the competitive landscape, the users, the business, hmm. uh, and tech all at the same time. So that's what I started to want to do. At that time, this is early 2000s. So there wasn't the variety of roles that there are now um, hmm. in tech. So um, I started to look for uh, my next opportunity almost as soon as I landed my first job as a developer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and thinking, what could be next? What could be next? So what did it look like? And and actually, I want to backtrack for a second. And in in uh, the potential, <laughs> I, I may sound naive in all of this, but let's backtrack for one second because I, I'm welcoming you on. And I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn so much in this podcast because I know so little about what gosh, this, what, what your whole career trajectory has kind of looked like, what you're doing day to day. So tell us maybe, and maybe this is, maybe this is good for listeners too. Tell us, what would you say when you're saying development? Okay. This is the early two thousands at this time, you're stepping into this role and we're kind of talking about how you've moved into tech and, and gosh, so much of computer science, I feel is way over my head. And many of my listeners are probably like, this is so fun. I can't wait to hear about this, but what, what is this? What would you say at that time? Because like you said, now there's a plethora of opportunities for people who are stepping into tech. At the time when we think about computer science, and as you are kind of beginning your career, you're in this first role looking for perhaps what could be next, what are you actually loving with more of a big picture mindset? What were the jobs in tech that were available? What were some of the main themes in tech and computer science at that time? That's a great question, because this is like, we're backing like, 20 plus years. So <laughs> at that time, majority of the job, if you have a computer science degree or know how to code, is is called developer or, or mm-hmm. coder. Um, so that's when you have fingers on the keyboard and you code. Um, you code scripts, you code websites, you code um, databases. Um, so that's the majority of the tech jobs at that time. Wow. There is also, they, there used to be, and now the terminology changes a little bit, but at my first job as a developer, um, there was a group of people called business analysts. And that's mm. not the same as the business analysts now. They are now, what they're, they're doing what's now called product management, which I've been in for almost 20 years now. Wow. So they're the ones that figure out what needs to be coded. So developers don't code whatever they want. They mm. code based on what the analysts or the product managers um, provide, the specifications that they provide. So the job of a product manager, it didn't call product manager then, but it is called that now, uh. is to learn the business, what is how the company makes money, what is the new places that we can go into with technology, what is the competitive landscape, who are our customers, who are our partners. And then um, write requirement documents to um, developers so that they can code according to what's specified. So that's the difference between um, product managers and developers. And now, obviously, there is probably hundreds of different titles and jobs in technology. But at that time, it was really just two that I I, uh, was faced with. Oh, my gosh. Well, see, that's just such great insight for those of you who are listening, kind of getting a little bit more of an inside scoop as to what that looked like for you. Okay, well, you are in this developer position, you're thinking, okay, this is not my cup of tea, perhaps I want to do something a little different. What did it look like to transition from that first role out of school into the next one? Yeah, so next one was actually um, Pacific Stock Exchange, which is now um, part of New York Stock Exchange. So that was a financial technology. And at that time, um, if you think about stock trading, um, it's the trading floor where there's a bunch of um, boots and traders are there, you know, shouting and yelling and and shaking Uh their little piece of paper to trade and so on. Uh, At that time, the because of the the birth of technology, uh, the company was trying to build a hybrid model where you can go to trading floor to trade. Or you can trade at the comfort of your home or any place, and that's called remote trading, and NASDAQ is that model. So they were building that. So I jumped into that role because it was a hybrid between actual development, which I was I was doing, 
client services, as in um, I would talk to the um, technologist at the financial companies that I want that want to connect to us using API. And then um, the product management aspect, which is figuring out what our technology needs to evolve to. So it's a combination of all of those. So I decided to take that job. And um, I stayed there until the New York Stock Exchange acquisition happened, at which uh, point I was asked to move out of California and I didn't want to do that. So I then went to Microsoft. Oh my gosh. I'm sitting over here smiling because everything you're saying, I'm like, this is crazy to think of you now. Tell me this. How old were you at this time? Because this is very early in your career. Yeah, this is my early 20s. So between 22 to 25, um, oh 26. Oh. So this was the first of my career kind of not knowing um, what where to go, what to do. And I know it's people think there's a popular saying, you know, follow your passion, follow your heart. You mentioned that a lot of people are chasing after, you know, what is my dream? How do I fulfill that? Mm-hmm. But for me, it was a chaotic time and it, that it didn't come out that way. And it wasn't, you know, following my passion and heart wasn't practical right? because I, I like I said, I always wanted to make sure I had a stable income and I was employable. So I basically took what I was good at, which was um, math and science and computer. Not that I liked it or preferred it, but (laughs) I was able to hang on, basically, Mm -hmm. and um, worked hard at it day in, day out. Did the best I could to add value to the organization or team um, and became better by just keep doing that and day after day and started to enjoy more. Once you're good at something, Mm. you enjoy more. But if you're trying to look for something, what is my passion? then you tend to jump around. So I took the other wow. approach of not necessarily following my passion or my heart or dream, but I just worked hard at what was given in front of me and I did my best. And and eventually I started to understand it more. I started to enjoy more. Oh my gosh. Well, this is really fun because when we are listening back to episodes like this, we pull a quote and I think we just found one because everything you just said is fantastic. And I want to reiterate what Jenny just shared because, and even even with many of my guests, this is not necessarily um, an encouragement we focus on enough. But many of you who are listening, you you really are very much connecting to what Jenny's saying. I, I need a job. I need to be employable. I don't have time right now to necessarily follow my passions. And I want to reiterate something you just said, Jenny, because I think it's so wise When we're trying to follow our passions, many times we jump around. That's why we have, you know, so many different roles after school and why our resume has a year here, a year there, a year there, six months here, because we're, we're trying to follow our passions, but you and, and your story from what I'm hearing and knowing you personally, the growth that I'm sure you found in this season by working hard committing to it, and then ultimately getting good at it. And I love too what you said, when you're good at something, you kind of like doing it. So for you, bravo, that element of I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to work hard. Obviously, it's paid off for you. And listener, that's such an encouragement. If you're in a role that you're like, I'm good at this, but I hate it. Listen to what Jenny's saying because I love, love, love these points, Jenny. It's such a great point for my listener. It's such an encouragement to me. It's like, you guys, let's do it. Let's put our head down. If this is resonating with you, be encouraged. Oh, I love it. I love it, Jenny. Well, you just shared this. You then moved to Microsoft. So tell us a little bit about what that move looked like and maybe tell us some of your favorite elements of working in, I would guess, a very more formal and and um, more of a corporate atmosphere. Yeah. So Microsoft was uh, truly my training ground in technology. So this was before uh, we had Facebook, Google. This is before oh, that. Yeah. So oh. even Apple wasn't even that big at this time. So Microsoft was at that time uh, one of the big technology companies that everybody wanted to go to, and there was uh, there were hundred thousand employees worldwide at that time. So that's where I actually honed in my technology and technical and product management skill and what it means mm-hmm. because I was working and surrounded by very brilliant developers, as in they they're the coders that I actually. Um, provide requirements and what needs to be coded for. And they weren't shy about challenging my ideas. They weren't shy about pushing back. So at every meeting, I had to be on point. I had to be able to explain every detail. I couldn't just um, uh, brush off some details. So Mm. one, a couple examples, it was a really growth period for me. And I'm not sure if I enjoyed it at that time, but looking back, that was 
whenever I go through tough times or tough periods at work, mm. I don't, I want to get out of that at that moment. Right. But looking back, that was my growth period. So I'm no longer shy away from uh, tough times at work. Even I have them now. So at Microsoft, mm. there were a couple instances where to me it felt like it was miserable then, but it, it really, uh, grew my skill set and who I am as a product manager and career person. So mm. one time uh, that I was having a meeting with uh, developers and I was the product manager and my idea didn't resonate with them. And uh, one of the developers actually said in a meeting, you're randomizing the developers. You're wasting our time. He said that in a meeting. It wasn't personally, you know, aside. And I, I'm sure I turned bright red and there were all the other developers there and they didn't seem to care. That's really how they talk. Oh my. I really grow thick skin in be able to survive in that kind of environment. And it may not be for all of them. And right. I, um, some of it is just my tendency when there is a fight or flight, I tend to fight rather than flight. So that <laughs> has helped me push through. But man, that was embarrassing. Oh. I wanted to hide. I would go home and cry. I, it, mm. it was it was really grow, growing times. But what that taught me was that, no, I need to get my requirements and what I'm presenting to the developers tighter, research more, spend more time, work mm. harder. And over time, I gained their trust so that when I actually come into a meeting to present ideas, they didn't question it. But that took years, not few days, few weeks. It took years of hard work. Wow. Another instance at Microsoft that really I remember um, helping me is my manager. So I had a one-on-one -on -one with my manager every week. And during that time, I would have a list of uh, issues that I need to escalate to my manager for help. Mm. One of those meetings, my manager stopped me and said, okay, you're bringing me all these issues. How would you solve them? And I stopped because I never even thought about that when I was um, faced with issues or technical challenges or people issues, I would just list them out and I will bring it to my manager for escalation. He stopped me and said, think about how you would solve it before bringing it to me. Hmm. That seems simple, but that stuck with me all my career. And that's how now I mentor my own team, um, because it gives you it gives you the um, power. You are, you're empowered to do it rather than I'm powerless. I'm a victim. Here's a list of problems. My boss needs to solve it for me. Wow. Before I get to that. OK, here are the problems. Now, how would I solve it? How do I empower myself to solve this? What are the ideas? So since then, I had no issues to escalate to my manager, actually. That's, that was 15 years ago wow. um, because I figured out a way to power through, empower myself, and not sit there in the victim mentality. And that's one of the reasons of the grit and perseverance mm. in technology is that there will be a lot of challenges. There, there are, it's still predominantly male. There's The percentage has changed quite a bit. Now in my team, it's... Um, majority female in my team. Wow. Um, but in my company, it's all about 30, 40% female. At wow. that time, it was 90% men. So you don't really have somebody you can go to to commiserate with you or listen to your chatter. Right. They are just <laughs> the business. So it's it's that growth um, moment. And it was tough. It was tough. But um, boy, am I glad to have gone through that. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And again, this there's so many elements in your career that I'm so grateful you would take the time to chat with us today because you really have gone through the knit and grit of moving forward and, and moving up and really taking on challenges that I think a lot of, and, and unfortunately, specifically women may have steered clear of. They may have said, you know what? I'm out. I can't believe this guy just talked to me like that. And I don't have an answer for him, you know? And so for you to actually go home and be like, you know what? I need to work harder. I need to really communicate with them. I mean, that's not what everyone would think. And so for you to be able to overcome in that area, and then, gosh, I love, again, just so many great points to kind of reiterate uh, your boss saying, okay, how can you solve these problems before bringing them to me? And I think, gosh, Guys, those of you who are listening, this might hit a little too close to home because a lot of us who do have people who are overseeing us, it's like, let me just take this problem to them. They'll tell me what to do or they'll do something themselves. But how can you actually be kind of the barrier that that it, it stops at you and you're able to say, okay, how can I solve this? And of course, I know that gave you a lot of favor with your boss and, and that's always a good 
thing. Well, I happen to know a little bit more about your personal life. What is going on during the season at Microsoft? I I know, and I mentioned in your intro, you have two amazing kids and a wonderful husband. What's going on in your personal life at this time? Yeah. So during my time at Microsoft, I was there six years. Um, I got married and I had um, a son and a daughter. So in in fighting, you know, my battles and in the workplace um, at home, I was uh, going through a lot of milestone changes and my plate, my plate was full. It was, it was overflowing <laughs> sometimes with a lot of sleepless nights and changing diapers or sick child, but it was, it was full. So uh, yeah, that's when I had both of my kids. Oh my goodness. And that was something you always wanted to do or correct me if I'm wrong. Did you always see yourself continuing to work as a mother? I did. And I think that's all goes back to, um, growing up, my parents, uh, always had a very unstable job. So mm. that puts financial strain on uh, my family. And so there are some times we had to move um, every few months because we couldn't pay rent. So we had to find a um, smaller or cheaper place and we would move constantly. Mm. And um, a lot of the extracurricular stuff that my friends were doing, um, trips or movie theater or anything like that, we just didn't have resources to do it. Mm. So um, that stuck uh, a very deep need uh, in, in me mm. that I always knew I would continue to work and be my own provider. Mm. And obviously, there is some negative side to that, because then I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be too independent, I'm not trusting anybody else. But at the same time, I think that was one of the drivers uh, for continuing to um, work, even through uh, personal uh, events and challenges. And there are many times I wanted to quit, um, especially when um, I'm getting attacked, quote, attacked by a developer at work on things that I'm trying hard to do. Um, I wanted to quit. But, um, you know, next day is always a new day. And this is how I went through college as well, because computer science was something that it didn't come naturally to me. I had to work hard. Hmm. There are many times I studied so hard and didn't do well on test. Hmm. And I just didn't know how to get better. Um, I would continue um, to, to pour my time. Um, and, and energy into it. And uh, eventually, I've never had a case where I worked that hard and it not actually coming through. Wow. Wow. And being able to say, okay, I can give credit to the hard work that I did, right? Right. Right. Oh. And also, I think um, I see my team members that are uh, younger that haven't had to learn the lesson of actually grit and perseverance. Mm. Um, they crumble easily under some pressure or when the project is too high profile and it's not going well, mm. they don't know how to pull themselves out or just push through. And that's the type of things that I'm um, uh, trying to help them. Oh, well, that's such a good point too. And what, I mean, what, what is it that you're able to communicate to them or even to us if there is a high pressure situation? Because I do think there's a lot to be said about those who have the grind, who are in these corporate environments. It's cutthroat. I mean, and Berkeley, that's cutthroat. So you've been through quite a few different, I would say, gosh, obstacles, seasons uh, in your career and both in education that, like you said, really prepared you for the perseverance and grit that you would need to, I, I mean, gosh, I would even argue be a woman in, in, and be successful in tech. What would you say to someone who, who, who tends to, to maybe crumble under pressure? How can, they, how can they build that muscle? How can they strengthen their resolve to, to stand tall and to get going? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's the day by day, sometimes hour by hour. And mm. sometimes it's just like really half an hour by half an hour. Oh. If I have a goal, lofty goal of, you know, five years, 10 years, I want to get to X, Y, Z. That's great. I think people should have goals. Mm-hmm. But But most people love having goals, but it doesn't deliver because they fail at the daily grind Mm. where what you have to do seems so far from the goal that you're going to attain. So over the years of trying to um, trying to trying to do the tough work and not shy away from it. Mm. Once you keep doing something over and over in the beginning, it's really hard. You want to give up and you think you're going to just die. But (laughs) as you do more and more and just a little bit each day, and you just have to look at it. Okay. This day, Mm. this hour, this minute, um, because you can do anything for one minute, even if you don't like this project, even if you don't like this meeting, you can stay in there, be engaged in that minute. Mm. When you do that, um, you begin to learn to enjoy the grind. I know it sounds uh, very 
um, uh, masochistic, but it's same thing when you exercise, when you haven't exercised the muscle at all, the first time you do it, you're going to die after two minutes. You're going to feel <laughs> like your heart's popping and your muscles are shaking, but okay, let's say you did that two minutes today, tomorrow, let's do two minutes and 15 seconds. The following day, it's a very incremental change hmm. because we underestimate how much we can do. Um, in everyday minute, we overestimate what we can do far, far uh, you know, uh, mm. in the future. So it's really focusing on the now and everything that I'm doing now as mundane and ordinary, it seems, or painful, it seems, it's all steps to get there. So I don't look at the far, far out as much. That's something I do once in a while, mm. but I really focus on the now and what am I doing now? Am I in the right attitude? Am I doing the right thing this moment? Mm. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yes. And the takeaway there for those of you who are listening again, this is life. This is how, this isn't just career advice. I mean, Jenny's kind of taking it to a new level. This is life. What is it that you need to get through? What is it that you need to persevere through? And how can you take it moment by moment? And I love Jenny's example of even being in a meeting. I don't want to be in this meeting. You know what? You can be in the meeting for another minute, another minute, another minute, and even taking right. it down to that smaller increments and recognizing I've got this, I can do this. So for those of you who feel like I crumble under pressure, I'm terrified of my boss, et cetera, et cetera, use this, use this tool, use this idea. And I really, I truly think that it'll help. Well, we've mentioned a little bit and, and you've touched on this um, and gosh, you have been in tech for, like we said, we're, we're kind of, we're spanning almost 20 years, which is amazing. I'd love to know, are there any instances or, or is there any encouragement that you could share with listeners who are women looking to move into tech, um, what changes have you seen? And perhaps do you have any stories that you could share with us that, that are kind of like, I can't believe that happened to me? <laughs> Yeah. So um, the changes that happened. So 20 years ago, there were a lot more men um, and a lot less women. So it was it was a lonely place. Um, and all the female coworkers I had in tech, once they had their first child, they quit. Right. Uh, because it is so demanding to handle the tech job, which it can be 24 seven because you know, tech job can be anywhere in the world. So you have offices all over the world. You're on 24 and seven mm. plus having a um, child. So a lot of them quit. So it was a lonely walk. Now the, the playing ground is almost even. So, um, don't be afraid. It's it now is the right time to get in. And that's where the opportunities lie because tech now isn't just for computers or technology, anything that we touch, even during pandemic mm. school, even doctor visits that are non-critical um, were all done through tech. And so it's going to touch every part of our lives, even more so in the future. Some of the homes, the smart homes are becoming, the entire house is tech. Um, cars are becoming tech. So um, don't be afraid. And um, it's Another key thing is finding your um, small crowd. So mm. going through all this, I didn't walk through this alone. So I had a um, support system who just unconditionally supported me on my good days and bad days. And they're actually my family, my mom, my husband, uh, Dave, and my kids. They even these days when I have a bad day at work and I just look like a zombie at the end of the day, <laughs> my kids will come hug me. They will pray with me. And it's so encouraging yeah. um, that I'm not doing this alone, um, that there, it doesn't have to be big group of friends. It could be just um, small core people who will not um, come in and out depending on whether you succeed or fail, but mm. would always be there. Um, and some instances, I can't believe I did this. <laughs> this is really embarrassing. But um, back in the day when we first started to use corporate email, um, the the CC and BCCs and twos were a little confusing. Um, I actually ended up sending an email to the entire company on a, something that I just wanted to send to one person. Um, I've had that, I've had that done twice. Even something that's as embarrassing as that can be, and you just want to die, um, <laughs> when you realize this went to hundreds of people, most people don't nitpick your mistake or that you see as much as you do. So mm. knowing that, brush it off, get back up, yeah, and, you know, apologize and move on. And people will follow that. I think a lot of times when we get hung up and can't move forward, it's because we're brewing over the small mistakes that anybody actually could make. Mm. And, um, and you will make a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes in tech. I made a lot of mistakes in code in actually um, designing certain um, features, or even as a manager, I've made mistakes uh, being not 
engaging enough with the employee or engaging too much with the employee or mm. misunderstanding their intentions. So I made a lot of mistakes, but um, as long as I realize the mistake, I apologize and move on. Mm. Things are not as um, tough or, or challenging as it seems. Oh, yes. And the encouragement to not fixate. So many times we fixate on that and we're like, I can't believe. And that, to your point, that's when you're paused and that's when you can't move forward and that's when you get stuck. So like you said, apologize, move on. People aren't nitpicking as much as you might think. Well, Jenny, this is so fun. It's so fun to hear so many different elements of your career. I would love to know what was a real wow moment for you that in your career that you're like, even to this day, you're like, wow, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And that's not an event. It's more like when people started to reach out to me to be mentored because they wanted to be where I was. Um, because I've always, I, because to me, every day is a, is a, is a struggle and a grind in some way. Mm. And I always felt that I'm still learning. I'm still trying to understand. I'm trying to still work hard, but from outside, some people looking at that going, Oh, you've made it. I want to be where you are. How did you get there? And so that's when I, I start to realize, Oh, the daily grind that I've been putting in you know, month after month, year after year is actually sh- sh- bearing fruit. It's showing to other people that, oh, with all that, I can get here. Mm. So it was more of being faithful in daily work rather than, um, oh, I've one hit wonder. I thought of something and boom, it happened. Mm. Most things don't really happen that way. Rome wasn't built in one day. So even if you see somebody who is at a position that uh, you envy, there was a lot of sweat and tear behind it. And that's what I now see when there's somebody who just came out of nowhere, wow, this is great. I know the the struggle and sweat and tear the day after day, hour after hour that they had to put in, and which makes me really cherish the hours that I have to put in, mm-hmm. even now. Well, it's such a great point too, because again, so many of my listeners, many of them are recent grads, some of them are pivoting in their career. We even have empty nesters that love to join us and, and think about what their next step might be as their kids have gone off to college. But but there is, there's a theme right now, whether it be on social media or whether it be small businesses or whether it be uh, an idea or a brand, it's just like, Oh, overnight success. Wow, look at this. And a lot of my listeners, I know you guys are pumped up by those stories and and it's like, "Oh my gosh, what could I do like that?" And I get I get personally, I get in, in inspired and excited about that. But what I'm learning and what I'm even learning from this conversation with Jenny and being reminded of, nothing replaces the dedication and the perseverance of brick by brick, year by year career building. Nothing replaces that. The lessons that you learn, I'm sure you wouldn't trade for the world because of the things you went through. It has shaped who you are today. So it's just such an encouraging conversation. And again, listener, I hope you're grabbing onto this. One of my main takeaways right now, the perseverance, the grit, moving forward step by step, you guys. Like Jenny said, Rome wasn't built in a day. So an encouragement to you. If you're in a position that you're you're like, I don't know, I'm good at this, but I'm not feeling it. Keep going step by step, one foot in front of the other. Now, Jenny, you mentioned a little bit of insight into where this drive kind of comes from for you, perhaps uh, childhood memories, et cetera. But, but where, where else? Where else do you think this drive and really, I mean, you have such a strong discipline and perseverance. Where else do you think that possibly comes from? Yeah, so I do think there is some innate quality. Um, I do have a competitive streak. So um, yes. when I get knocked down, I tend to get up and that's not, uh, so I have two kids and their, their innate qualities are different. So I think I already was set to, you know, fight rather than flight. Mm. But in my younger years, I actually struggled quite a bit with low self-esteem. Mm. That may be just my personality, or it may be that I was comparing myself to um, my friends who had who were more well off, they had more things. Mm. So I struggled quite a bit pretty quietly with so, uh, uh, self esteem. Uh, but if you combine low self esteem, my low view of myself, and a competitive streak, it's actually a really bad combination. Mm. So um, some of the drive, it's, it's a bit of a negative, but some of the drive to succeed and work hard and, and, um, push through 
came to because I wanted to overcome, I wanted to prove myself, basically, I mm. wanted to be sure that, hey, I'm competitive, they're well off now, but I'm going to work hard to prove myself, I'm going to get better grades, I'm going to run faster, I'm going to make more money. And some of the drive actually came from that. And mm. that, those are younger years. So and it wasn't fun. It was it was exact opposite of how you should um, plan and using positivity work towards your goal. It was the opposite, but I didn't know how to do any, any better. Now, many years later, I am more accepting of myself. I'm still learning because there are days I just don't like myself, but <laughs> I'm still uh, learning to accept myself and accept all the bad and all the good and all in between. So my drive isn't really wanting to prove myself to somebody, mm-hmm. but it's more for um, mentoring others. And I want to be the good role model that mm-hmm. other people who are looking at me uh, is is able to, that I can impact them positively, that they can I can scale myself um, to through other people mm. um, and adding value to whatever team or organization that I'm in. And that's what drives me now. But it, it, it sh- shifted a bit. Mm. Well, and it's so cool to hear that shift too, because it, it kind of came on naturally. And like you said, a much more positive role that you've stepped into now to recognize that. And bravo to you to really recognize, hey, earlier in my life, this is kind of what it looked like. I was very insecure, very competitive. And like you said, those two combined can be a pretty, pretty tough place to be in. But for you to have grown in that, and again, for those of you who are listening, these are things that can change. And if you're feeling the same way and you're feeling, I'm just not confident, I just, I, I don't even know if I can put one foot in front of the other. Well, we're here to tell you that you can, you can, and that these changes can happen. And look at Jenny, for her to be in the situation and the the place that she is in her career and to be able to say, I just want to mentor. I want to help. I want to encourage others. It's so, so cool. Well, Jenny, this has been so fun to hear all of the different lessons that you have learned, but I want to ask you a loaded question. What perhaps is the greatest lesson you have learned? (laughs) Um, With all the lessons I've learned, um, the greatest lesson I've actually learned is it's not in my control. Um, And I know that sounds uh, very strange, especially we're talking about career and there's goal and you're working hard to get there. At the end of the day, it all comes down to uh, my faith um, that as as much as I'm going to do my part, I can't change that um, when I graduated, there was a, a dot-com bubble burst. I can't change that there is a, a pandemic that's shutting things down or my opportunity down. Yeah. There is, I have very little control over everything that's happening to me. What I can control is how I spend my minutes right now and how I think about others and how um, I'm... Um, product of a lot of people helping me. It's not, you know, self-made thing. It may sound like it. Mm. I have to put in my time. That's, that's a given, um, in anything that you, I do, but it's people around me, the situations around me and, and environment around me that I happen to be in. Um, I, the greatest lesson is actually letting go of full control, mm. which is hard because I naturally, um, like to control, like to plan, um, <laughs> yes. complete type A. So the greatest lesson is that I'm able to plan and able to execute at the same time, still um, op- open my hands to any opportunities that may come. And one other lesson to kind of uh, relate to this is you may, I may have my goals, five-year goals, three-year goals, whatever. Mm. But as you, as I um, worked hard day by day, new opportunities that I didn't even know about come my way have mm. nothing to do with goals that's because when you're when i'm um faithful to my task mm. there are bigger tasks that just comes and i'm sure emily you can attest to that you didn't think about all the things that you accomplished um probably five years seven years ago when you're thinking about that but as you're diligent in the current responsibility however unrelated to your ultimate goal it may seem right opportunity come to people who actually put in the time and is there day in, day out. So that's actually probably my biggest uh, life lesson. Oh, well, that's, I mean, it's so cool to hear the pieces, not only of your story, but the encouragement that you're sharing. I mean, even to me, it's like, yes, I can have this goal in five years or, or 10 years, but along the way, as I'm being faithful and listeners, you're being faithful and you're doing your part. Another theme in Jenny's story, she wasn't waiting around for anybody to get her situated and set up for success. No, she was doing her part. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Well, what are you learning now? 
well? At this point, I'm actually learning to scale myself. So what that means is that um, I may have done you know 20 different things for my company, so I know how to do them myself, but I can't grow the team that way. So now I have a larger team and larger responsibilities. So my learning um, comes from now trusting others to carry on and do it because I tend to be hands-on and I want to do it myself. I want to know all the ins and outs of every any project, mm. but learning to delegate, delegate, learning to continue to trust others and let go of my uh, grab um, and also trying to be comfortable in um, there's an article um, that I, I show. It's, it's called, I think it's called um, uh, giving away your Legos. So what happens uh, is that in a high growth position or company or, or team, your job, your Legos that you had that you were playing with changes and you have to give them away to next person so that you take on the new sets of Legos. A lot uh, of times I get comfortable with my Legos that I was doing for the last 12 months. And then now there's a reorg or there's an acquisition. So now things are changing. Things are uncomfortable. Now I have to give my Legos to someone else and I have to wait for my next Legos. That feeling of, wait a minute, somebody else is taking my job. Now, what should I do? What's my value now? That's a constant thing. And it doesn't matter whether I started out, you know, one year into career or 20 years now into career, Mm -hmm. that feeling of discomfort of like, am I adding value right now? Am I good at what I'm doing? Still lingered. So I'm learning to grow past that Mm -hmm. and building the team of of high achievers and who can scale and and, um, uh, do a, a great job for the organization. That's what I'm growing right now. Oh my gosh. Well, you guys, I'm sure many of you are like, how can I be on Jenny's team? I want to be on Jenny's team. Jenny, you are the best. And you guys, I know I'm kind of teasing this. I'm going to ask Jenny here shortly where you all can connect with her, but I love it. And I feel like I could talk to you. Well, I know I could, we could talk for hours, but this has just been so fun to hear more about your career. And gosh, you guys, this is probably going to be an episode. You might want to listen to this a few times because the takeaways running around in my head right now are kind of, kind of endless. Well, Jenny, I know you on a personal level. So I know there's always something going on with you personal or career wise. What's next for you? Um, I, the next career wise is continuing to mentor others. At this point, Mm. I'm not looking to, you know, climb the higher part on the ladder. Um, It's more of how do I share my hard learned lessons to people so that they may not, they, maybe they'll be able to skip some of the heartaches or mm. they may still have to put in the grind um, every day, but that they will in, learn to enjoy it be, um, instead of fighting for many years against it and just hating their life. <laughs> um, so I want to share the lessons I've learned in the last 20 years with other people in my team um, and uh, my friends um, and personally, I actually did um, earn, I'm not sure if I, I told you, but um, uh, the personal training certification last year, yes. right before pandemic. So I didn't wow. really get to use that. But that's another area where I've been um, workout and exercise didn't come naturally to me like computer science, but I knew I needed to do it. It's an outlet from just sitting uh, at my desk all day and just away, just moving the blood flowing through my body. Um, so I was doing that for a few years and it, it sucked. I hated it every minute, <laughs> but more time I put into it, every minute, every rep I put into it over the course of the last four or five years consistently made me enjoy it more and more. And I thought, okay, why not actually get a certification? So I did. So I'm trying to figure out a way uh, to empower other people who may feel stuck in that sense um, to to help them um, that way. So that's another um, personal project that I have on mind. Oh, well, I'm so excited. Perhaps I'll benefit from that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. Well, this has been, like I said, I, I've just enjoyed this. I'll have a smile on my face all day today, Jenny. Um, I would love to know, is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? Um, one word that I want to impart is um, confidence. Mm. I wasn't confident most of my career. And there are times I still feel that imposter syndrome where I feel like I'm totally faking my way through my um, uh, mm. task at the end. Mm. But the truth is, everybody feels that way. And because of my low self-esteem, I've always shied away and, and um, questioned myself um, and would miss opportunity. Looking back, if I do it over again, I would actually trust what I know and all the hard 
hard work that I'm putting in mm. and be more confident about what I know, my ideas. Um, and I now see that in my um, female employees, more so than male employees, actually, mm. that they have great ideas, but they don't want to speak up. They don't want to say they question themselves. Right. Um, and it only hurts them. It makes things slower for their growth. Mm. Um, so there is a fine line between obviously pride and confidence, but confident knowing that, hey, I put in my time. I did my work. Mm. Um, so I know what I'm talking about. And here is uh, here is my idea. And that I think um, would have helped me um, be help, help me achieve my goals faster and actually enjoy um, the process of even more. Mm. Well, you guys, let's take up the torch. Whoever needed to hear that today, it's available to you. Choose to be confident. And I love what Jenny just said. It'll slow down your growth if not. Why not choose to be confident? Go in with your head held high. You know, we love fake it till you make it. I love it. Oh, thank you, Jenny. Well, this is a really fun question that I love to share. And you've talked so much about your heart and passion for mentoring. And I think that really ties in with with networking, young women who reach out to you wanting to learn more, much like me reaching out to you, wanting you to join me on today's episode. Um, so I love to ask this question as an encouragement to my listeners to continue to network in their career and life. Who do you know that should maybe come on and share their how'd she do that story? Yeah, I actually know a few people um, who are leaders in technology companies, wow. um, even within my current company that I think um, would benefit, um, uh, the listeners will benefit from hearing about because my story is just one story of how I got here right. in, in executive level at a tech company. But there are other people who come at different um, places and we all share uh, the being the minority in the tech field mm. uh, of being a uh, female. So um, I think there are a few people that I can think of uh, in my, even in my current company who are um, tech leaders that, that can definitely, and uh, that would enjoy being here. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you in advance for connecting us. And you guys, I know many of you are, you probably are already trying to find Jenny online. You're probably already figure out how can I connect with this amazing listener, amazing guest. Well, listeners, um, Jenny, you can tell us where can they connect with you? Yeah, I think the best, uh, probably the most easiest place is LinkedIn. Um, search my name. There is only one of me because of um, really long, strange last name. Um, <laughs> I think there is only about, you know, 30 Telehouskis in the U.S. Um, wow. So, and only four of us in California and they all live with me. So, <laughs> I don't think you'll have a hard time finding. So I'd love to connect. I love to um, uh, provide um, more encouragement or information or mentorship and anybody who's interested in um, learning about how to get involved in tech or how to uh, thrive in tech um, as, as a woman. Oh, fantastic. Well, Jenny, like I said, I can't thank you enough. This has been so much fun for me personally to learn more about your career, but what an encouragement to me as well. There are so many pieces of your story that I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, there's so many takeaways. So thank you for joining me on today's episode of How'd She Do That? Thank you so much for having me. It was fun sharing all of Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week for a new episode. Talk to you soon.